Hello, I'm Josiah Stroop, and welcome to episode 13 of Coffee and Jesus. Pretty insane, already at episode 13, and it's been an insane week for me. I don't know about insane, but <laughs> it's been kind of just wild. Um, literally walking on the turf as a graduate, and uh, now I'm just like walking around as a graduate. So it's kind of just wild in that aspect. And so, anyway, enough of that. Uh, today, during church, um, I met, well, I haven't met. I've known Roy Humphrey for a very long time, and he briefly mentioned to me that I'd been drinking a lot of black coffee. And I realized I've been drinking black coffee every single episode, so I said, enough of this. So, shout out to Roy. Thank you for calling me out a little bit. So now, I have a... Just an, uh, just a latte, an iced latte. I know it's not vanilla, but I had help from my mom making it out of a Keurig, and I finally figured out how to make a latte, which is literally just coffee pod and milk, which I never knew. Me, <laughs> me being me, you'd think I'd know how to make a latte by now. But anyway, tastes pretty good. got to make some progress on it throughout Um this coming year being a graduate but today um we have an exciting um talking session uh, i have a guest speaker here with me my dad pastor warren stroop and so i already had him before but you know what there's no rule about how many times you can have a guest speaker on the podcast so i'm pretty hyped for this session uh, we were talking about what to talk about uh, for this episode and uh, for me i really felt like we wanted to focus on Romans chapter 7, um, verse 7 through 12. Yes, verse 7 through 12. And so we're going to be talking about law and sin, what that means as Christians. And really this passage is a big defining um, aspect of what Christianity looks like with grace and through the law and through sin and understanding that. And so um, having my dad here, it's going to be a really good time to just discuss um this passage and so i'll hand this over to my dad and kind of have him share a little bit about just thoughts before jumping in thanks josiah it's awesome just to be here with you once again i know whenever you open up the word of god and you're talking with someone else about it there's a opportunity for iron to sharpen iron opportunity just to discuss and to have really healthy dialogue i think um and maybe for many people that have listened to this is that um a lot of the podcast just creates um, a desire to communicate and talk about some of the things that Josiah has been talking about. And even, you know, outside of you know, just listening, actually just challenging us. It, are, are we thinking through what the Word of God says? Do we really understand the relationship we have with Jesus Christ? And I think more than anything, I know jo Joey's desire is to see people have a hunger and a passion for Christ that is stirred by conversation by looking at the word of god and talking about it and and i, I think when we when we do that in community something happens there, there's a, a a dynamic in that that impacts uh, both here and um communicator and i think it's so important that there's times that we're intentionally communicating and talking about the word of god together that it isn't just supposed to be read as an individual, even though that's really super healthy, but then to have conversation about it. I, I know, and I've shared this with Josiah before, I know with 
being part of Christ Central, a movement of churches, so many times in a moment when when we're talking with people, I was just in Canada just recently, and there's a number of times while I was there that in the conversation, the word that was read earlier in the day was a huge benefit to those that I was conversing with during the afternoon or during the evening. The word would, would come back and would be alive, but but the, dyna- the, the, the dynamics of it was different because now it wasn't just something I was receiving. Now it was something that was communicated to a number of people. And together we were hearing it and listening to it and talking about it. And, and I think that's what the word is. It's a living, breathing um, message about the redemption that we have in Christ Jesus. And just taking an opportunity even here today and talking through just an amazing passage of Scripture that I mean, it's impossible to do justice to this passage in just one 30 minute session, but that's where it starts. It starts with taking 30 minutes and talking about it. And so it's great just to have this opportunity. I, I appreciate, you know, Joey asking me. Uh, I know that it's just one of those things that I mean, obviously, being a pastor, I don't mind talking about the Bible, but I know that it's important that we we see the application of Scripture in our culture here and now. And it's something that impacts us in a real genuine way and not, not something that's just ethereal or out there mystical, but it is something that really resonates with how we're doing life. And I think that's what's so awesome about about the word of God. It truly is life breathing. And I, I appreciate that. So, yeah. So looking forward to this conversation. All right. Thank you, Dad. Um like he said before, and what really this heart of the podcast is, is just an avenue to grow in your devotional time and really talk about living life as Christ followers and even reading out of the book of life. Like there's truly life in scripture and God really displays that. And um, it's such an exciting time just to just talk about scripture and just have it relate to us in a way that gives us life and understanding um but yeah thank you all for listening today and very excited for this passage and so right now i'm using just one mic and so we'll be passing it back and forth um i realize now being a graduate that i can't really use the excuse that i don't make any money because i'm a college student well now i'm not a college student so (laughs) i gotta figure out a way to get another mic eventually so i can have guest speakers talking at the same time but for now we're just going to be passing back and forth um, talking about this passage so now we're going to jump in to Romans 7 and this is the ESV version so this is verse 7 and we're going um, going to be talking about that through verse 12 so here's verse 7 what then shall we say that the law is sin by no means yet if it had not been for the law I would not have known sin, for I would not have known what is to covet if the law had not said, You shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the, co- the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness, for apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me for sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment deceived me and through it killed me 
So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and righteous, and good. So that's pretty intense. Uh, I'm going to hand it over to my dad and kind of have him share his initial thoughts and um, even talk about what the law is compared to sin. You know, one thing I like about this passage, which I think is really unique, because Paul uh, does this in Scripture uh, or in his letter writing. He'll say things like, what shall we say then? And it's that question, because obviously there's debate going on within the church, conversation about sin, conversation about the law, conversations that that are really relevant to this new understanding of what it is to live in Christ Jesus, to not be no longer being under the law, but under the great under grace, which is really the person of Jesus Christ. And so once again, right in chapter six, he says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, by no means. Now, in the same language, he says this in, in verse 7, what then shall we say then? That the law is sin? By no means. And, and so th- there, there's an understanding that, that Paul sees this, this challenge within the local church, and he's trying to bring clarity to help us as we're walking this new life out. Because here's the thing is that, that we have to realize is Grace is scandalous. It, it, it's a message that just rocks us to our very core when we are in a position of saying we're saved by grace and grace alone. Because you look at Ephesians chapter 2 when it says, you know, that message in verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast and and understand that this is a free gift of God and then how do we coming out from this understanding from years we're talking years and years and years of where the church where the Jewish community is is preaching the law I mean there's 613 different laws that they're having to follow that all of a sudden you're telling me I don't need to do that anymore that's not what saves me that that's not what brings me into relationship with God when you look at the Old Testament and you, and you read the tabernacle, you read who can approach the throne, who can a- approach the ark, who can approach in, in, into, the, into the tabernacle area. It's like, man, you got to have this dealt with, a peace offering, a, a burnt offering, a sin offering, a, a, a different, uh, uh, the whole feast of booze. You have all these different things that you had to do because that's how important it was to cleanse ourselves to purify ourselves if we're going to come into the presence of almighty God. And now you're telling me I don't have to do those things. And so it makes sense that Paul is addressing this in such a way by just simply saying, what then shall we say that the law is sin? By no means. And so right away, he's not damning the law or condemning the law or saying hey, the law is awful and evil and it's terrible and don't, you know, just throw it all off and don't, don't worry about any of these things. But what he's saying is that these things, and this is what you'll see within it, we're not going to cover all this, but what you're going to see is that this isn't what saves us. Christ now saves us. So, so, so that's a huge paradigm shift, right? When, when it's like we once walked this way and now there's illumination of revelation because it's not like there's new revelation here even for us Revelations is all here in the scripture, but there's illumination of it. And I think there's an illumination of something to the church 
That's like, hey, the law isn't bad. The law isn't evil. The law isn't sin. It, it actually, because of the law, I actually know what sin is. And that's what, what we see here as you keep going through this, is you get a sense of, hey, this is what sin is. And it's like, okay, that's actually important for us to understand sin, understand what sin is. And, and what's awesome is we have this objective truth that we can turn to that defines sin for us. Allows us to say, okay, the law illuminates sin. I, I know um, it, it, one thing that's really interesting about the law is that, and, and he says this here about coveting, right? I wouldn't have known what coveting was if it wasn't for the law. And it's like, that is so wild because cause it's so true. And, and, and th- this is why we have to realize law doesn't save us because it's not knowing something is bad is what saves me. What is amazing is that I know what is good that saves me. I know that Christ is the one that saves me. And yeah, here's some things I shouldn't be doing, but the authority of that has changed. And now the authority is in Christ Jesus. And th- there's an illustration um, that uh, I like in that when I, when I was a kid, you know, my, my parents w- w- and us, we'd go on these long road trips. And there's three boys, right? And we're in our, I mean, we're separated by four and a half years and one year. So I'm in the middle. My younger brother's four and a half years younger than me, and then my older brother's a year older than me. And we'd be driving in in the road and on these trips. And my dad would would, would yell at us, you know, could we be messing around, right? And and in that, where we're just kind of hanging out, and he'd say, hey, stop making all that racket, right? Because we're just doing whatever. And then while he's doing that, he'd throw another word out. He'd say, and, and don't touch and don't touch your brother. Okay, now we weren't actually touching our brother. We were just being rowdy. But now there was this law that came into play. And, and guess what we did? We started touching each other. Because the law, one of the things about the law is it, it doesn't really keep me from sinning. It shows me what sin is. Next thing you know, I'm coveting and I shouldn't be coveting. Well, I know that's bad now because coveting is bad. Well, the same thing is true. It's like we're in the car, and we, yeah, we're being loud and rowdy. Dad said, "Don't be loud and rowdy." Then he says, "Hey, don't you know? Don't touch your brother, or don't." And it's like, well, we weren't touching our brothers, but now we're wanting to. And so it, it even shows us that the law is not what what frees us. The law is nothing. And, and if you read the earlier part of this passage of scripture, you recognize it, it's not a a husband that reaches out and walks with you, and it just shows you that you're you're doing things wrong. And this is what's so important to understand the difference between living under the law and living under grace because it transforms us not from what we have to do, but now it's what Christ has done. And that's the good news of the gospel is that Christ came and fulfilled all the law and the prophet and prophets. So therefore, now we walk in this new covenant, this new understanding that Christ is the one that did everything that needed to happen to bring us into right standing with him. Now, the law is still the law. I mean, you, you read throughout Scripture, they're beautiful things, but this the, the challenge is, as Christians, is not to see the law as our salvation. And I think that's the thing within the church here, is that they wanted to demonize the law. They wanted to say, hey, the law is done. We don't need to do anything. We can do whatever we want. We could. And if you read the church in Corinth, it is jacked up because— they're doing all kinds of crazy things because, hey, this isn't contempt anymore. I don't have to do these things anymore. So now there's freedom to sin. Well, 
we know that Paul says, do we continue in sin? By no means. How can we who are dead to sin still live in it any longer? And so that the whole sense of even the law isn't like, hey, don't demonize the law. Don't all of a sudden say the law is bad. The law actually helped us to reveal what is what is right and what is wrong. And it doesn't save us, but it helps illuminate things. It says, man, I, w- I, I want to walk in this new life in Christ Jesus. And I can put on by good works. I can put on the things that really elevate Christ over elevate my own my own actions. So, so, so I think just really in, in the beginning part of this passage is just that realization of the struggle that was in the local church, in, in whether it's in Rome and Corinth, of trying to wrestle with what is this transition, this paradigm shift from, from being under the law and now being under grace. And I think one thing Paul stresses right from the very beginning is that the law, uh, the law is not sin. He says, by no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin, which is actually a good thing that we know what is, what is, what is sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But then it talks about, and, and I'll talk about this here in just a second. I don't know, Joe, if you want to say something. Yeah, um, I think this is a really good um, really good point to talk about what this means in the local church. And really, I like, I love how Paul is talking through this passage. And the way he speaks, it really makes it clear and understanding it. And he even gives the example of covetousness and coveting. And what that looks like under law, real, really where law describes that as a sin. And like he said, giving that example of um, <laughs> messing around with your brother, it's like the same thing like saying, don't think about frogs. And then you start thinking about frogs. And it's like you can't help it. The law defines what sin is. And then you're thinking about sin and then you're sinning. It's like, oh, it's frustrating. But really, like the law is almost just the, the buildup. It's the build up to understanding how much we need grace. Like really, the law shows that we are sinners, and it's like, wow, okay, there's no way of sc- escaping this. But then Jesus provides that way, and really the only way. So it's understanding where we are in Christ and how much we need God's grace to understand where we used to be, and now where we're going with Christ. Really, f- totally forgiven, and without blemish because of what Jesus has done. Um, but th- I think this is a really good um, transition point now um, for you to kind of talk about the law and really how important it is to set up a foundation for the local church and even new church plants and churches that you've experienced or been in where they might have misinterpreted what this passage means what the law means in the sense of the gospel and grace where some churches can totally redefine this whole passage and understand that some are not sin some things are sin maybe we need to work our way to get grace where the oh maybe the law says that where just very different doctrine that some churches can fall to that really hinder the church and even the church's growth and really Understanding this passage and all of Romans, all of Ephesians, everything, the gospel, understanding grace, if you get that, I feel like the church will lavishly grow. But I feel like if you don't understand grace and starting a local church, even as a pastor, that that could really be a massive downfall or even 
the Achilles heel, I guess. But um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, thanks, Joey, because that's a good question. Because I think it's easy to find ourselves living back under the law. Now, when I, when I say that, it doesn't mean we're living back under the 613 commandments that we see in the Old Testament. But I think what we do is we take truths in the New Testament, and even like the Sermon on the Mount and, and other passages that Paul or Peter or James has written, and we make them a law to ourselves. And it becomes this act of, hey, I have to walk this out doing this and this and this to be in right standing with God. Because that's really what the law is, is that we are outside of favor because of sin, because of what we were, what we were dealing with in the Old Testament. And sacrifices were in place of us. They, they were that, that atonement that atoned for our sins. Well, Jesus was the final atonement. So, so we don't need to keep atoning by our acts of righteousness to say, hey, this is atoning for this. It's like, no, that's, that, that's, the, that's a different gospel than what we see in, in Galatians, what we see that, that was preached to the church. And, and, and I think that it, it's so easy to find ourselves putting the law back on. And I think we have to just realize that if we're walking into, whether it's church planning, whether it's um, our new life in Christ Jesus, is that the law no longer no longer becomes this big gap, this big separation between us and God because Jesus fulfilled it all for us. And so that's why it's so uber important that we focus on the truth of the gospel. That, that as, as we're reading through the gospel is all the acts of Christ, all the what he has done, not, not here's what I have to do. Now, I, here's the thing is, I, I once in my sin could not walk in righteousness before the Lord. Now I'm a slave to righteousness. I can't help but be righteous in the, in the things that I do. And so therefore I, I understand my position, my security is found in Christ, in the work of Jesus Christ. That's grace. That's the good news of the gospel. And I get to walk this out every single day. And in doing so, now I put on, it talks about in Colossians 3, now I put on all these things of the, of the Spirit, all these things that, that I can now put on because I'm now dead to the old person, the old man. Now I'm new in Christ Jesus. And, and I, I think when, when it comes to our daily walking this thing out, is me personally, I, I'm fully aware that, that when I'm doing something, Am I doing this and this is dead works or this is good works? Because it talks about that we're created. We, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works. Okay, so, so what, does that, what does that look like? And I think it all comes down to our understanding that if it's, if it's out of this relationship of grace, that we understand our position in Christ Jesus, then the things that we do are considered good works. When we do it to try and earn a position in Christ Jesus, we try to walk, then it becomes law, then it becomes a sense of putting the law on, and it really is just dead works. It's I'm, I'm earning this, and I'm doing this because I have to do this, because if I don't do this, I feel shame and condemnation, and, and, and we do that as Christians. You know, we have this weird sense of, if I don't behave a certain way or do a certain thing, I have this big gap all of a sudden happen between Christ and, and myself, or the Father and I, and and I think when we understand grace, yeah, there's times when we make mistakes and do something wrong. 
But we're constantly in this understanding that our position is secure in Christ Jesus because what he has done, that he's made me his own. He's called me out of darkness. He's breathed new life by the Holy Spirit in me. And now I get to live this thing out. And it is awesome and beautiful to walk in the knowledge and the understanding of who we are, first and foremost. And then out of the who we are, here's what we do. Not, here's what I'm going to do so that I could become this. I am already this because of the work of Jesus Christ. Now I'm just living this thing out. And it's an expression of this amazing relationship. And I always tell, I told Joey this just the other day. I said, whenever I come up to scriptures, whether it's in James or other passages of scripture, that, that I wrestle with a bit, I always look at it through the gospel. I, you have to interpret it through the cross, through the new covenant position we have in Christ Jesus. Because th- th- this is the one covenant that he did everything for us. It's like, w- w- it wasn't our sacrifice. It wasn't our oath. It wasn't things that we had to say or do. It was completely done by Jesus Christ and the seal of the Holy Spirit. So it was the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit that established a new covenant that I can now walk in. And when, when, it, when, I, when I walk in life in that position, the, the law stuff, all of a sudden, I, I can see it for what it is. I can see that, okay, this is my own working out. This is dead works, what I'm doing here, because I'm trying to, whether please man or trying to find approval from God, and I'm realizing that I'm already approved. I don't need to please man. I am, I am in, a, in a position where this new life is, is I'm favored by God. He loves me. I'm his kid. I'm his son, and, and I'm not perfect. I don't have to be perfect, because Christ, in my place, was perfect. He did what I could not do. And that's what I love about the Old Testament. It's just a revelation of man's relationship with God outside of New Covenant, outside of Christ's work. This is my work. And at the end of the day, you realize we, we can't do it. It's impossible in our own doing. And just read the Old Testament. You can see time and time again of just falling Doing good, doing bad, doing good, doing bad, doing good, sinning, you know, a man after God, a man after their own self, and, and just back and forth. And But that's not where we are, and we're not on this weird roller coaster. Of, I'm with God. I'm with, I always look at it as just a constant ascent that as we're getting to know God, we're cruising along, and God's just revealing himself, and I'm growing learning every day. And sin no longer sends me down in these pitfalls of whatever because it doesn't change my position in Christ Jesus. And that's because I understand the gospel. I understand grace. And I understand that, that, that I'm walking this out in, in a secure position. And when I see the things of the law, it's like, hey, I, I recognize what's wrong. I recognize what, what, what's right. But it is no longer what defines me. It no, no longer defines my relationship with, with Christ any longer. Because it's radically changed. That's good. <laughs> uh, we're running l- low on time, but um, to finish off, um, I'd like to you to just kind of, what would be like a good truth or understanding you would give to um, a new Christian that was first starting to get back into church or even just a new Christian trying to understand grace and they have these thoughts on, oh, well, I don't know if I'm there yet. Maybe I need to know a little bit more scripture to earn grace or maybe they've um, been grown up in this atmosphere where they had to do, they had to go to Bible school, they had to go to church, they had to do this, they had to do that, and even then it felt like they had to build 
onto each step to try to get this relationship with God. And so what would be something you would say to them in that time? I would say accept it at, for what it is in that it's a journey of understanding. It, it's not like something you just like get one day. I remember I've shared this before in church. I was with a pastor friend in Mexico one time and this is when I first became connected with New Frontiers, which is the movement that we're a part of. And and it's a, it's an amazing group of churches that, that Terry Virgo has established and apostolically released a bunch of apostles all over the world. And it's just been fantastic. But I was in this room in El Viti, Mexico, and this is a little village. And we were just late one night and we're just talking. And this is in like 2000 and I want to say 2008, 2009. And I, I said to Lee, I said, Oh yeah, I think I, I think I understand grace. I, I think I understand, you know, it's you know the message of salvation. You know, it's it's this whole sense of what Christ has done for us, and now we're we are saved through grace. And he, and he just looks at me, and he just said three words: "No, you don't." Now, initially, it was like, "What? What? What do you mean I don't?" He goes, "He goes, it's not something that just you, you just say it out loud that you got it." It's something that becomes an expression of how you walk this thing out. The church in Antioch in Acts chapter 9 is that when, when, when they came, Barnabas and, they, and they, Paul and Barnabas, and they, and they showed up, they saw the grace of God in the, in the actions of the local church. And so it's something that, that, that works its way not, in, not just in your mind. It works your way out of your mind into your hands and your feet. And, and, and when it starts being on display and how you're communicating about your to your kids, to your coworkers, how you're thinking about individuals based on the grace of God and what Christ has done, that we're no more righteous, whether we help a little old lady across the street, or we're no less righteous if we bump a little lay over and go across the street without helping her. Because our righteousness is no longer in our actions. Our righteousness is found in Christ Jesus. I think it's 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. It says, For God made him who had no sin to become sin for us, so that through him we might become the righteousness of God. And, and, and I, I, I end with this, Joey, as far as challenging you as a new believer trying to just discover and understand our position in Christ is uh, Colossians chapter 1 and 2 is this amazing passage. And actually in chapter 5, in verse 15 of chapter 1, it gives the most beautiful description of who Christ is. If you keep reading, it gives us this great understanding of our position now in Christ Jesus regarding works, regarding, regarding what others would think about us and what we're called to do and good works and dead works. And then in chapter 3, it talks about putting off the old and putting on the new. And so you have this understanding in the first two chapters of this, okay, this is who I am. This is who Christ is. This is the gospel. This is the good news. Now, here's me walking this out, walking out. Do I continue in this sin? By no means. Now we can live a whole new life. Now there's a, there, there's a plethora of things we can now do. Now there's a, this bountiful table sitting in front of you that you could partake of, where before it was just mutton and rotten fish and other kinds of garbage that you can only partake of. Well, now that whole thing has been taken away and we're putting that off and now we have all of this that we're putting on. And so it's discovering, and this is the journey. It's discovering of, it's called sanctification. We are sanctified 
we're being sanctified, we will be sanctified. And sanctified is that sense of being purified, being made holy, and, and understanding that it is, a, it is something that, that, that has been done, that is being done, and that will be done. Now, that's a whole nother conversation to tear that all apart. But, but just understanding it's a journey that you're walking on. And so my challenge to any of you is begin the journey. Begin the journey of what it is to live a new life in Christ Jesus and understand the good news, the grace of Jesus Christ that has radically transformed how we can now, the kingdom is here and is yet to come, that kingdom is now that we can live a new life in Christ Jesus. Thanks, Dad. That was really good. Uh, appreciate your wisdom and all that you do for the church. And man, what an exciting time to just be a Christian. So have a great week, everyone. Have a great day. Have a great coffee drink. If you go for a coffee, please get an iced vanilla latte. Greatly recommend. All right. God bless. Mm-hmm.